Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce to you Mo Abbas, who is creating this, he's created this incredible tool that's been very helpful for me as a startup in my organization, but for many others out there connecting students with the ability to do internships with interesting companies and interesting companies to have access to great talent. So, you know, really taking advantage of the uh, abilities that we have with technology today. So welcome, Mo. Thank you for having me, Heidi. Good to be here. So can you explain a little bit more about Gen M and how it came about? Absolutely. So we're an education company and we focus on job training. So preparing students for the job market. Predominantly how we do this is through digital apprenticeships. So we connect our students with small business owners. Usually these are business owners who have less than five employees and they work with them for three months, 10 hours a week, remote on their digital marketing. So you can do things like social media, SEO, content marketing. They kind of act like a marketing assistant and they do this unpaid as part of their training to gain work experience. So businesses give them feedback and guidance. The students work with them. Uh, It's a flexible 10 hour a week schedule uh, for three months. And then businesses at the end of three months can either hire them or get another student marketer to work with. And if they're happy with the work they did, they can certify their marketer through Gen M. And you know, for businesses, they're not paying students, but they are paying a $50 a month membership fee. Gets about 40 hours of help from a student marketer. So it's very, very affordable. We designed it to be affordable for small businesses. And you know, part of our thesis in our startup is we believe that small business owners can train students on scale. And that's why we built Gen M. It's not just like a normal internship. We have it structured. We offer students free courses. We have labor contracts in a marketplace. You get matched with 100 students. It's set hours, 10 hours a week. It's all remote. So it's a very structured and safe marketplace for businesses to get help and for students to launch their careers. I love that. And I think that it's a really valuable and important tool today because a lot of people are even mid-career professionals are having to shift. And whether that's go to business school and then try to get trained in a whole new area um, or whether you're just starting out without any experience, uh, I don't think I think it's sometimes hard to get access to the real life experience. And of course, for small business owners, they probably really struggle with finding someone that can just help them with that. You know, absolutely. I mean, these days, back in the day, you had one career, and when you retired, you got a, a nice Rolex or a gold watch or something as a retirement gift. These days, you, you know, the average person in their career will change their career about a dozen times. And often, this requires training into a new position. And going back to school is very, very expensive. It takes a long time, there's a high opportunity cost. And what's needed more than a degree 
uh, is work experience. This is the number one thing that employers look for. Do you have relevant work experience? And for many people, getting that work experience is very, very difficult. It's uh, catch-22. They can't get a job without experience, but they can't get experience without a job. So that's where GenM steps in. And we take away the opportunity cost in getting work experience. So, you know, you look at something like an unpaid internship, which is often in violation of labor laws. You know, you, you know, some of these students, they work like 40 hours a week for like six months. They don't get any real training. Um, there's no certification. They're not really reporting to anybody. So like they walk away with that really much of a quality experience. And honestly, they're, they're breaking labor laws most of the time. And we said, you know, this isn't really fair for the students. So how could we build a new model? But really, it's actually an old model that we just kind of reinvented. Apprenticeships have been around for thousands of years. This is how people learned, you know, uh, a thousand years ago. This is the only way you learn before there was university. Universities were not, didn't prepare people for job market. They were for the elites who wanted to get higher knowledge, like noblemen, really. Uh, and, you know, there was very few universities and it was just really about self-development. And the way that you learned a trade was under a master. You'd apprentice under them. You'd learn the skill from that master. And then you would become a tradesman in your own right. And then you would apprentice somebody else and the cycle would go on. This was lost in the 1980s when white collar jobs, even before that, but, you know, it's been lost in, in, in today's world. And we're trying to bring back that experience of a skills transfer between an expert and a novice. And because, you know, as a small business owner, that you have two really big costs. The number one cost all businesses have is labor. If you hire anybody, it's your biggest cost by far. The other one is actually marketing. Marketing is usually up there in costs uh, for many businesses. So in Gen M, we said, look, you know, these students, they need this experience and the businesses, they need additional help to grow. You know, what if we can get the businesses, this labor, it's unpaid to help them grow. And in exchange, they can help train these students. Now, we don't expect the businesses to do all the training. Obviously, that's a little bit much. This is where we step in and we have online courses we built a, a full collaboration fulfillment suite. We're building it right now as we speak. Uh, so not only do we connect students and businesses, we want to make sure that businesses get maximum value when they work with the student. And then on the flip side of that, we want to make sure that the students get a consistent, high-quality training experience. So during an apprenticeship, what we're building right now, which we'll release in the next couple of months, are tools to enable us. These are like progress reports where the student can update the business on a regular basis on the progress. And the business can give them structured feedback in that same flow. We're talking task lists and checklists, ratings and reviews. Uh, this is all be done via mobile apps as well. So you can do this all on the go. So we're really trying to create a platform where Businesses can consistently get high-quality help, and then students can consistently get high-quality job training. And then when we do that, we're pretty much democratizing job training because it's totally free for students. There's no cost involved. And we believe that with that, you know, what does the future look like when students can get trained in less than one year for free on their own schedules? What does that look like? 
what does the mobility look like of students at that point, right? There's no student debts where they can launch a career or test a career very easily to see if they like it. Like right now, if you want to be an accountant, for example, you'd have to go to school for four years. You may not even like it. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're taking like $100,000 of debt to try a career out that you may not like. So true. Oh, I'm curious because I, I've been using the, your, your tool in terms of getting some assistance. I'm still in the early stages, so I'm sort of in the screening phase. But what's been really fascinating to me is the demographics of the people that are on Gen M. And I think, as we mentioned in the green room, we were talking a little bit about sort of opportunities for people that don't have access, maybe don't have access to education, the right tools, the right job education in whatever environment they are, whether they're refugees or whether they're uh, they're coming from a country that may be harder to access the education piece. I think it was really exciting to me to see that there was, you know, there was such a wide span in terms of experience, but also where people are located and, um, and you know, what and what they're able to do. And I thought that was really fascinating. So I, I'm curious sort of, was that something that you intended from the get-go or was it more, I know you're based in Canada, was your yeah. focus more localized and it just happened to grow on a global scale? Well, I mean, we started Gen M in the first place because we would have students come to us for internships and they had no work experience and they were classified as unhirable. Employers wouldn't even respond to them. And then they would beg us to try and help them get work experience. And we took on a few into our company and trained them internally. And everyone we've done this with ended up getting hired by us or getting a job from the training that we provided them. So that's kind of how Genem started. We said, look, you know, we these people went to school for four years and they're unhirable. They come to us for three months and they become hireable. Maybe more businesses can help out with this. And then as far as demographics go, we didn't really know like we were solving a problem that we had and we saw a new firsthand. It, uh, it started, you know, obviously local, but really the big problem is in the United States is a huge problem. 56% of graduates are underemployed, meaning they're in jobs that require no degree and 76% are employed outside their field of study, which means they're in a job that they didn't even study for in school. You know, we said this is, you know, our solution would definitely work a lot better in the U.S. because of that problem. But then we started seeing students come from Europe and, and uh, some from India and some from Australia. There's different parts of the world. And what we realized is that in a lot of parts of the world, a lot of students don't have access to education. They just, they just don't have access to it. Like here, you, sure, you can get a student loan, which is it's a problem in and of itself to go to school, but in some places, they just they don't have any kind of decent quality education. It's just not there and available for them. So they come to Gen M to, because it's just, you know, we're enabling access to high quality education that they just can't get, really, frankly. Uh, and we try to be a little bit careful in matching businesses and students. Like we prefer to match businesses with students in their own time zones, for example. Uh, matching is a very difficult problem to solve in marketplaces. Uh, it's one of the core value props of a marketplace is how you match two sides together and enable them to work together. And that's something that uh, we've invested a lot of resources into. We actually have a, a neural net, an AI component 
being released in the next couple of weeks to optimize matches between businesses and students because it is that important to get you know it's it's kind of like it's kind of like I, I like to kind of match it to dating right so mm-hmm. if you're dating somebody I don't know if you've ever dated it's it's really hard to date um, <laughs> <laughs> like you just never know right like yeah. you go on these dates and you, you it may be a fit it may not be a fit and like you get matched with so many people it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes and you get responses and you don't get responses and Sometimes it's a bad date and you just feel like garbage after it. And, and like this is common in, the, in, in huge apps like Tinder and Bumble. This is a common thing that everybody experiences in those apps, right? So you can imagine companies those size that have that problem. And for us, we're, we're, we have the same problem, you know, matching businesses and students and making sure that both sides are a great fit for each other. And uh, that's something we invest a lot of resources into because it's really, really important that you get the right fit. But, uh, you know, sometimes that right fit may not be somebody in your time zone or location. It might be somebody overseas who's super hungry to work with your type of business. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think, you know, as to the time zone piece, I think particularly when we're dealing with the, you know, the current marketing model where you're not necessarily bound to your time zone. So you have people interacting with your content at all hours. So it's actually yeah. sometimes helpful to have someone who's handling your marketing in a different time zone. Or, you know, it's at the end of the day when you put together your task list, if you've got someone that's working in a different time zone, you can pass that off and wake up in the morning and the tasks are done. So it's, I think they're, you know, there's there's so many different wonderful elements to the ability to work across borders and across time zones as well. Absolutely. Totally agree. I, you know, it depends on your preference, really, to be honest. Some people like it. Some people don't. Yeah. You know, for us, we just want to serve people what they want. And if that's what you want, that's what we want to serve you. Gen M's not that old. So, so oh. sort of what was your evolution to coming to building Gen M and, and sort of you know, I, I know you've done some really fascinating things. You started as an entrepreneur at 19 and by 25 founded several multi-million dollar companies. And, you know, we're involved in a lot of the, you know, great organizations like Better Business Bureau Chamber of Commerce and whatnot. But I mean, those, that transition, obviously you weren't in Gen M that whole time, but probably that experience built onto understanding the need for Gen M. What's yeah, that story absolutely. behind Mo there? So yeah, I've been like a hardcore entrepreneur since I was a teenager. I didn't go to post-secondary. I didn't believe in post-secondary then. I don't believe in it now. I ended up hiring a lot of my friends who went to post-secondary and the degrees were useless to me, frankly. So it's just not something I really ever believed in unless there are exceptions. If you want to be a doctor, you can't really get around that. There's a few designations where you have to go to school for, but other than then, you know, maybe STEM degrees, uh, I just, I found it to be just, it just didn't make sense to me uh, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's smart, you know, it was just smarter for me to just to start a business. And that's what I did. And I was very successful in business. Um, you know, I started a renovation company when I was 19. It became the biggest in Canada by 25. You know, I was self-made uh, and that allowed me to kind of dabble in whatever I wanted to, you know, money wasn't an issue. I had partners that were running the companies really well. And, you know, there was this, I just wanted to have more impact with my life. I, you know, I, I just wanted to do something that really helped people. And, you know, looking back in my companies and construction and 
a few different other companies and marketing companies as well. We, I, I've hired over 50 interns. So this isn't a new thing where I was just like, oh my God, I had a lot of experience from a small business perspective working with students. Not very many small businesses have hired more interns than I have in, in my career. So I knew firsthand how to get value out of them, you know, how to kind of work with them. And then I actually didn't pay attention to, I knew what they wanted, like the work experience, but I didn't really put a lot of thought into that, frankly, until I, I left construction and I had another tech startup that was kind of like a little project. It was a, a social media app and that was going all right, but it was just, wasn't something we were really passionate about. And then I remember one of my co-founders, who was actually a designer at the time, was like, hey, Mo, like, we're working on the social media app, but it's not really your thing. And, you know, there's this other thing that, that looks a little more interesting. We should probably investigate it. You know, it's, it's probably there's a big problem here if we're getting 200 applicants and none of them have work experience, and none of them are, are able to be hired. So one of my actually designers is the person who kind of got me to focus on the problem a little bit more and really take it as a serious thing. I, I didn't like I would never imagine at that time being able to build a company to change the education system. That would just seem like a crazy thought to me, right? But he kind of got me on that tip and we started investigating the problem and we said, wow, this is really serious. Like student debt's one point, it's almost 1.5 trillion dollars, second only to mortgages. And you and they're so sneaky about student debt. You can't, you can't bankrupt student debt. You can never get rid of it. Like, it's crazy. You can get rid of credit card debt. You can get rid of a mortgage debt. If you bankrupt, seven years later, you're clean. But with student debt, it stays for you forever. Yeah, and follows you for life. For life. And then you look at it deeper and you're like, wait a second. So this thing can't be washed and okay, like, is it working? Like, if it was working, you'd be like, oh, oh, well, yeah, I guess I kind of see the value. But it's not even working. Like, universities, they're trying now to get universities to publish outcomes, you know, and, and not very many universities are even doing that. Like, they're really against publishing outcomes of, like, how many of their graduates get hired. But when you look at the outcomes, they are abysmal. So what's happening is these universities are selling junk degrees to students not telling them that, hey, like there's like a 0% chance you're going to get hired at the end of this, but you know, you'll be well-rounded human being, but you're just not going to get hired. <laughs> and they're not really telling them that, right? And then you look at student loans and you're like, well, how the heck is an 18-year-old who can't get a $2,000 credit card able to get a $150,000 student loan? How? Like, how does that make any sense? And, you know, it's just the whole system is broken, frankly. And because there's, it's so fat, like there's so many people that are dependent upon this income now that they can't cannibalize themselves. Like they're not going to start figuring out how to become cheaper and faster. And they have too many costs, right? Like they're not going to cannibalize their revenues. So we, we saw this and we said, well, it's not going to fix itself. Like these guys, they just can't. It's not, nothing is going to happen there, right? So then you look at students. Well, what alternatives do you have right now? Let's just say you want to launch your career. What are you going to do? Maybe you go to a boot camp, which is not bad. Frankly, I, actually, some of them are not bad. They are still pretty costly, 15, 20K, may or may not work, still a little bit of a risk. And they don't have work experience, which is still the critical factor you need in launching a career. 
So we really actually started by, we always knew work experience was the key. Like I've hired so many people as a small business owner. And the only thing I care about is either you're a genius and you just came out of school, which is super rare. And frankly, some of those guys are terrible employees. Uh, but mostly what I look for is work experience. That tells me a lot. The most tells me them it's the number one signal that I look for. And we said, you know, we got to figure out how to get these students work experience. And we knew that businesses could do this, but big businesses are not going to do it. They're just not going to train these students on scale. They're the only ones who have money to pay. The small businesses are not going to pay to train students. They're just not going to do it. They don't have the resources. They got to get value. It's just just not going to happen, right? Then it gets kind of like gray at that point. Well, now you're going to get these students to work with these businesses and they're not really getting paid. Kind of a gray area. You got to be really careful. So right off the bat, we said, for us, it's really important that we design a marketplace. First, that's labor law compliant. Second, that's better than an internship. It's, it has to be better than an internship and that anybody can access because you can't really access a lot of internships. Students can't access a lot of internships. So we started with kind of that vision and then we expanded it into what a full-fledged education would look like if we leverage small businesses on scale to train students. And then we worked backwards and said, well, the first thing we have to do is build coursework because not only are schools not training students for like giving them work experience, what they're learning in school is not even relevant to the job market. So we said, you know, if I'm a small business owner and, and I'm bringing on a student marketer, let's say, I want them to know a little bit about social media. Like I don't want to teach them like how to log into Facebook and it's the most basic training. I'm not teaching them that, even if they're unpaid. So we said, okay, well, we got we to we gotta get the basic training. It doesn't have to be advanced training. It just has to be basic training. So we started with the online courses, and uh, we kind of underestimated how difficult that would be because, again, millennials, which is our main demographics right now, they have short attention spans, are always on the go, uh, massive open online courses. So MOOCs, they have a terrible completion rate. So we had to design something that, students would complete. So what we did is we modeled a game and we actually specifically modeled a Duolingo. I don't know if you've heard of Duolingo. Yeah, yeah it's a great uh, mobile app to learn languages. Yeah, my son uses design. it. <laughs> he learned Italian on Duolingo. Yeah, it works. Duolingo works. And we said, well, the, the core methodology is that it's gamified and it's micro learning, essentially. So that's what we did. We designed a micro a learning curriculum that was gamified. And it took us nine months to build that. And we built it all in-house and we built the curriculum in-house with industry experts. And we said, okay, great. And we trained a bunch of students through that, got a bunch of feedback on that. And we said, look, the curriculum, solid. Actually, it's best in class. Like you're not, it's hard to get a better curriculum in digital marketing than what we've built. It's crazy that what we're giving away for free there is just pretty, it's pretty crazy. So we did that and we said, all right, now the next step is the apprenticeship marketplace. And this is where things get really, really hard because if you're building a marketplace business, it's a very specific kind of business. It's not, this isn't a SaaS tool, right? You need yeah. businesses and students at the same time on the platform and you have to enable matching and, and it, it's really hard to build. I remember our first product was, was just terrible. It was kind of like a job board. You'd apply, businesses would get like your resume. 
you know, and it, it was it was just such a slow system. Like, you know, it'd be days between responses. And, it, you know, it was just really, really bad. <laughs> Uh, but it was free, so we didn't charge. We couldn't even. I don't. I, I would be embarrassed to charge a business for that. But we just wanted to kind of learn yeah. and uh, and really iterate our product at that time frame. And that's what we did. We we decided, you know what, this job boards is is outdated. We're not building a job board. We're going to build a real time chat system. We're going to follow dating apps because they're really good at matching people and enable them to communicate with each other. So we're going to model more like a dating app than a job board. And then we said, okay, how do we make it easier for businesses? Well, we're going to put one-click labor contracts. So instead of sending contracts back and forth, we're going to build one-click labor contracts. And then we're going to build better student profiles. And then we're going to build a support system. And then we're going to build tools where they can like kind of mass message students to make it easier. And we're going to build smart templates because some businesses, you know, they would send like, like it would sound like, like, a thousand word introduction to a student. And we're like, no, you can't do that. Like, they're not going to read that. <laughs> and it's creepy. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so we said, look, you know, we're going to put smart templates. We're going to, like, there's so many, li- you have to govern every interaction in a marketplace, right? You can't just let things go. Like, if you let them, if you don't solve those problems, you know, what's going to happen is you have negative network effects where like the good students are getting bombarded by businesses or vice versa. And it's overwhelming. And it's just, they leave. And then now you have poor students or poor businesses on the platform and the cycle happens again, right? So you got to make sure that you govern these interactions with rules and processes and tools. And that's actually really hard to do. Um, and that's what we spent this last year doing, essentially, is just building out an unbelievable marketplace for matching and, and messaging between students and businesses. And that's not even done yet. Like the next step for us on that is we noticed, for example, that it's hard to coordinate a phone call between a business and the student. As mm. hard as like it sounds simple, right? Hey, let's jump on a call. You know, you've probably done this yourself uh, as a professional. It's like four or five emails and it's a lot of like it's a lot of communication. And, you know, these students are not they don't have Calendly. They don't really use calendars that well. So you got to figure out how do you make it easy for a business and student to jump on a call together? Right. That's it's not it's it's a big thing. Like because if they don't talk to each other, they're not going to start an apprenticeship. So then it's like, OK, now we've got to build a phone and video in the app. So that's one thing we're actually, we have it now, but it, it's, it doesn't work well. So because you both have to be on at the same time. So what we're building is something like Facebook, Facebook's phone and video call where you can call your apprentice from the app, from the mobile app, and they're going to get a ring on their cell phone that says, you know, J, you know uh, uh, Heidi from Gen M is calling you. Just, you know, one example. And then you can schedule a phone call within the messenger with your student with like one click. Instead nice. of like, you know, 15 messages and like, oh, what time zone are you in? Oh, sorry. I thought it was a different time zone. It's like, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, it's tricky. I mean, I, I use a, a, a scheduler, but, you know, I had recently just had this experience with Jen M. Fortunately, the person that I'm scheduling with, you know, I have a full Zoom, which is what I use for recording my podcasts and everything else. But um, 
so I was able to schedule something with her over Zoom. She was comfortable with Zoom. We haven't actually had our call yet, but it was relatively painless. You know, there are so many different tools and to get people, I mean, that's, I think that's part of understanding how the, the contemporary workplace works. And it's part of that job skill training of like, okay, if you're going to be a remote worker, what kind of tools are going to make you the most accessible and the, you know, the, the most flexible um, so I think that it's great to build that in, but I think it's also great to maybe even help them understand what other tools are out there, like yeah. training them in a scheduling software. You're or, sophisticated. You know, yeah. You're a sophisticated business. We like your kind of businesses on Gen M because you know how to work with remote workers. You have experience with cutting edge tools. Uh, you're able to give them feedback and guidance. You probably know what you want. You know, you understand their students, so you don't have these crazy expectations of like you know magical work. Um, so you're like a really good business for Gen M. Uh, you're able, to, like you're you're a, you said you're a hustler. You know how to get things done. You know how to mobilize people, right? But mm-hmm. the thing is, not every business is like that. And we can't <laughs> really. Well, not yet. We can't expect them all to be like that. You know, it's too the bar. Those you're the kind of businesses we go for early on, frankly. But if we're going to scale Gen M to really create a free, edu- a global scale free education system, we need less sophisticated business owners who are experienced, uh, you know, less, you know, who, who maybe don't have Zoom. Uh, we need to enable them to be on your level. Absolutely. It all come, all these tools come into place. Absolutely. No, I think it's great. And I think, you know, the other, the other thing is I notice some of the tools I use, you know, weren't sort of listed in the, the profiles, but I found that most of the people that I interacted with when I said, well, this is the platform that I'm using. Is it something you're familiar with? And they're like, no, but tell me where I can get the training. And, you know, I send them a YouTube link and they're like, okay, I'll watch these videos. Let's have another conversation later. I mean, there's the, fortunately with, particularly with YouTube and and it's not necessarily even the the manufacturers of the different platforms there's a lot of how to's available out there and as long as the students are willing to take the initiative which they obviously already have by becoming part of Gen M I think there's you know there's ways for them to learn beyond in in an amazing way and I think that, you know the technology to be able to do that is really cool and what you guys are doing is is so necessary for where the the contemporary workplace is moving so I want to commend you and thank you for the work that you're doing it's it's pretty awesome yeah like we we see it like we're going to build such a rich fulfillment tool tools multiple tools that we could probably even sell those, frankly, to people who work with remote workers and small businesses as it's an individual SaaS product. We could, that's how rich we're going to make it. And we're going to include that in Gen M for our businesses. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love that. And I, I, so I want to take a little bit of a shift because I want to learn a little bit more about you before we sign off. But yep. I also want to make sure that we take a quick moment to thank our today's sponsor, which is Oscar Pulse. It's an opioid-free solution for chronic pain. That sounds very complicated, but it's actually really simple. So here's the deal. I do not promote products that I don't use myself. And this is something, this is a technology that 
is has been amazing for me because I am a chronic pain sufferer. I've got all kinds of back issues. And for those of us working in technology today, or even not working in technology, but we all use technology, and basically we're sitting too much, which exacerbates all kinds of issues. So this is actually a really cool tool that is, uh, it's a pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. So PEMF, um, and normally these are huge devices, they're on mats, they're rooms, whatever. And this is just like, like this little egg thing that you put near you and it actually um, it, it heals the damaged cells and removes the toxins. That sounds pretty amazing, but it actually works and it's been an incredible relief for me. So I just want to share that with my audience and they have been so kind as to offer my audience a discount when they order by using the 2BU code, if you go to oscawellness.com and that's available on the show notes. So if you're driving, please don't try to write it down, but I highly recommend you check that out. And I just, I, you know, I want to thank Oscar for helping support the show and your order will help support uh, the Evolving Digital Self podcast. And if you like it, please share it with others. You know, make sure you check that out if you are a chronic pain sufferer or if you're dealing with issues around pain that, that hinder your ability to sit in front of your computer all day, right? So anyway, that's just a note from our sponsor and um, a little bit of appreciation for the people that make this show happen. And coming back to Mo and the incredible work that you're doing, because a lot of your your students and your uh, the companies that you're working with are remote, and you obviously are developing technology. So, are there any tools that you use to take care of Mo, and to that you recommend to your students, maybe to help them understand how to maintain their well being? Obviously, one of the things that you do is you've got ten hour limits on on your students' time in terms of working with different employers and that in itself is a well-being measure. Uh, what do you do personally to take care of you and make sure that in this digital age, you're able to continue and thrive at the high level that you perform at? Myself personally? Yes. I'm, you know, I, I look at myself as kind of, you know, as a physically as a machine, you know, like I'm a machine ultimately, and I want to optimize this machine. But I, myself, as Mo Abbas, am separate from my mind and body. It's, they're two separate things. Myself is not my mind and body. So I look at my mind and body as tools, ultimately, that need to be taken care of in order to better myself. And, you know, I do a lot of things for that, frankly. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into yeah. that level of detail. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, I go to the sauna five days a week in the nice. morning for 20 minutes and I stretch in the sauna that reduces all-cause mortality by 40%. I also do 444 breathing techniques while stretching, uh, which really helps oxygenate your body. It turns you into an alkaline state. Uh, it increases your breathing efficiency, which people don't really pay very much attention to. Mm -hmm. And then um, I like to compete. Almost every single day I try to compete, whether that's going to jiu-jitsu or playing pickup basketball or table tennis at the office. You compete to win. Winners win. So there's a, a power law distribution uh, where, you know, the rich get richer, the people who win keep winning. Uh, you know, there's a saying that says when the wealthy sneeze, the less fortunate get pneumonia because... What happens is, is you, it, whatever 
path you're on gets propagated. So I like to compete and win every single day to build that winning mentality. I'm a big believer in state of mind. Tony Robbins has a state story strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you need to first, the most effective thing you can do is watch your state of mind. If your state's not, if your state of mind, if you're not in the right state of mind, then you've already lost. So that's incredibly important to get into the right state, whether that's listening to music that pumps you up, going to the gym, surrounding yourself with, you know, books or a positive environment or coffee, whatever gets you in the right state of mind, ultimately. Uh, you can jump into an ice bath. Uh, I like to do cold showers too. And just get that shock at your mind going. Um, I'm a big, uh, and then the, the story is the second one. Whatever story you tell yourself, becomes your identity. Be really careful what you tell yourself. Uh, Sun Tzu or Lao Tzu uh, says that, you know, watch your thoughts for they become your words. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions for it becomes your character. And then watch your character for it becomes your destiny, right? Mm. So you really got to watch what you say to yourself. It's very important. A lot of people, they use negative self-talk. Right away, you've lost the battle at that point. And then the next one is strategy. What are you doing, right? Every day I go to the sauna, I compete. You know, I, I wrote down my own story. I write down my goals. I actually put it up on the mirror. I look at it every single day. Uh, I have a wall of magazine covers of people that I, I want to emulate. Uh, and I surround myself with five very high-quality people that I see interact with every single day that gets absorbed into my own persona. So those are just some little tricks. I, 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 I'm also a spiritual guy. You know, I use like mala beads and I infuse. That's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, not a scientific, let's say, but uh, I think it's got a lot of power. And the placebo effect is a real thing, by the way. A lot of science has been done on this. Placebos work. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do, you can call it a placebo effect. I, I don't call it whatever you want because I have beads, a lot of mala beads, and I wear them. And they all have different power. When I wear them, I get those power. Obviously, they're just stones at the end of the day. Uh, but when I infuse my energy and I believe in that, then it becomes true. Whatever you believe is becomes reality. Ultimately. Whether you think you can or not, you're usually right. That was Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. Um I like to learn and listen to audiobooks in the car all the time or podcasts consistently. I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to um, music unless I want to get into a state of mind. I don't listen to music passively, rarely, if that has words in it because the words actually are end up brainwashing you. So you got to be really careful to the music you listen to. Don't get me wrong. I like hip hop. I like R&B. I like to get into those states. But when I'm like doing work, I prefer listening to uh, instrumental music that doesn't have words associated with it. Mm-hmm. So it gives me a good feeling, but I'm not walking away swearing at everybody and not knowing why I just started swearing at everybody, right? Uh, pay attention to your environment. A lot of people eat toxic foods. Actually, food's probably one of the biggest things yeah. that I would recommend. Uh, that's a very complex topic. It's, it can go into a lot of details. Go check out Dr. Rhonda Patrick's. She's got tons of quality information on nutrition. Uh, she's got great podcasts with Joe Rogan as well. Uh, food's probably the number one battle you could you can have is what you eat. If you change what you eat, you will change your life, not only on a physical level because the food actually becomes a structure of your body. Within a few months, your entire body becomes the food that you eat. 
So I actually eat the same food. People, it's a little boring. I don't, you know, if you can't do it, whatever. But I actually eat the same food every single day, at least six days of the week for uh, during the day. Uh, you know, and then at night I eat whatever I want, frankly, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, just so I can get, you know, if you want a consistent output, you need a consistent input, right? So mm-hmm. that's very important. But you also need variability. Uh, so that's where my dinner comes in. But I don't think you need too much variability. I mean, the food that I eat has great variability in it. Like it's a, uh, probably like 20 different types of vegetables I'll eat throughout the day. Uh, and you can get you can get very, very specific with food. Like you can like think of not only eating healthy, but what, you know, something that nobody talks about is the gut microbiome. Yeah. Which, you know, there's 500 million, sorry, there's, there's more connections in your gut between bacteria than there are in the brain of a cat. Like there's more information flowing between this, your gut than in the brain of a, of a cat or a dog. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, like, there's good bacteria, there's bad bacteria. It, it triggers your immune system. It triggers your hunger. If you figure out how to optimize your food to uh, get good bacteria, then you live healthier and in a more positive state. Uh, again, goes back to state. Yeah. There's foods for your gut microbiome. You can eat uh, probiotics, uh, things like kimchi, prebiotics, things like uh, cocoa nibs. They're very good for you. And there's so many more things available now. It makes it much easier. I remember uh, probably, I guess it was about 10 years ago, um, I was trying to do this gut healing diet because I was all of a sudden having these allergies. And I found that it was really, there was a lot of great information about diets that you can do to heal that, but it was very hard to access the you know, the recommendations. And of course, at the time we were living in Sweden, so it was even harder. We couldn't just pop onto Amazon and and order all these different things. But now it's so much more accessible to be able to get what you need. Um, And sometimes it only, you know, if you got Amazon, it only takes, sometimes you can get it overnight. Um, But it's, I think I I totally agree with you. I think, you know, um, there's, there's so many different things that we can do to take care of our bodies and our minds. I mean, whether you look at it as your, as a machine or whether you look at it as a temple, um, you only got one of them. So take good care of it. And it sounds like you're doing some wonderful things to, to do that, that are obviously supporting your ability to, you know, to grow your business and to do all of the other great things that you're doing in the marketplace. So continue doing it because it's obviously (laughs) working, right? Um, Thank you. So, Mo, this has been such a treat to have you on today. And I want to make sure that folks can find you and find your work and find Gen M if they need uh, interns, if they have the opportunity or not interns, but uh, anyway, the, the opportunity. Apprentices. Apprentices, excuse me. That's the right term. So they're finding, they're, they're needing someone that to, and they have the opportunity to teach them a little bit in that process. Um, I found it a great tool and there's some fascinating people on there that all are coming with lots of different experience and uh, if it's really a win-win. So thank you for the work that you're doing and I look forward to seeing it grow and getting other people out there. So the website is genm.co and all of these things will be on the show notes, folks. So if you're listening uh, while you're driving, don't worry about it. Just go to the website or to any of the places that um, that's hosting this podcast and you'll see the, uh, all of the links on there. But um, anyway, 
Mo, is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we sign off? Because I just want to, I, I want to make sure that uh, we don't miss anything. Uh, you know, there's, you just got to keep learning. I guess one thing, sometimes Genem is misspelled. So it's good to get that spelled properly. It's G-E-N-M dot C-O, like Generation Millennials, Genem dot C-O. And you guys can follow me on Instagram if you want to see some back scene you know, uh, backstage into our office and our team. I post, uh, you know, fairly frequently on our stories. Uh, Real Moabas is my Instagram. That's at Real Moabas. Same on Twitter, at Real Moabas. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to helping small businesses grow. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. It's been wonderful to hear more about the story behind uh, Gen M and a little bit more about the real Mo of us. So thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you for the work that you're doing. I think it's really, um, it's really important for the marketplace and where we're going today. Um, And also for the education system, having a a 17 year old that's embarking on the, uh, on this stage, I think it's, it's really exciting to see the new options that are out there. And for those of you digital suffers that have joined us today, thank you for staying with us. And if you enjoyed the show, please make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. Share with your friends. It helps get us noticed and helps get the word out for all the really cool episodes coming out in the future. We're about to embark on season two, and it's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to share with you some of the really cool stuff that's going to be happening. So thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.